Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM 640. Ah, to wake up and win the lottery. Not quite, but we get the bare naked ladies. If I had a million dollars. Wolfgang Klein here, Hi-Fi Radio. Good morning. Looks like we're going to have ourselves a nice day today, and who knows, maybe we'll be surprised with no rain. Hi-Fi Radio's joining Martin Roberge, North American strategist with Canaccord Genuity, uh, in from Montreal. We're going to kick the show off, of course, with him. We're then going to talk about the surge in the Canadian dollar this week. Jeff Blanco, our chief foreign exchange strategist, managing director, and oh, the title goes on and on and on. It's just good. But uh, he knows currencies. He knows what's going on with the loony. We need to find out because it has gone up so much. Uh, followed by Susan Ross, now teacher, former television executive. Uh, if you have any kids who are in broadcasting school, they want to get into television or production or any of that good stuff, Susan's going to tell you what's in store for the future. And we're going to end it in the world of law, but we're not talking criminal law. We're going to talk entertainment law. If I were to be a lawyer, I'd want to be an entertainment lawyer. Sarah Scott from Los Angeles taking care of Steven Tyler. What a client that would be, eh? It's going to be a great show, folks. So turn up your radio, get yourself some coffee, and uh, welcome to Hi-Fi Radio Saturday morning. Without further ado, Martin Reberge, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, so Martin, you are our chief North American strategist. Uh, you print a chart book each and every month. Jack and I went through your chart book. Lots to discuss uh, in your chart book this week because the world of money just never, ever ceases to stop changing. Uh, so why don't we start then with uh, your asset mix? I noticed that you're actually getting a little keener on uh, the Canadian equity market. Uh, pourquoi? Uh, I, would, I would say uh, parce que... Um, parce que, you know, the, it's not necessarily more uh, lukewarm, but less bearish. Um, we, the, the index has already corrected by about 5% from its peak, while the rest of the world has done extremely well. And, um, uh, and as we all know, like it's been a really tough cycle for commodity prices in general. But over the last couple of, of months, we've seen a, a broadening in uh, in this uh, commodity rally which makes me believe that uh, most of the the resource stocks which are already bummed out like in terms of valuation being so cheap uh, have very little downside risk so so canada is heavily weighted in in commodity related related stocks and now that we have achieved what we call uh, like global growth synchronization like there's no one single economy in the world, like among the OECD countries, uh, in a recession, which is a first since 2007. So since the global economy is doing uh, very well, commodity prices are expected to do a little bit more. And as a result, Canada is, is well positioned uh, because of its high uh, content in resource stocks. So less downside risk from uh, resource stocks, uh, while the rest of the market remains a major question mark. Uh, obviously, there's uh, a couple of uh, storms brewing in Florida, to say the least. Uh, yet oil is still below 50 bucks a barrel, and that gas is below 3 bucks. So I understand, you know, you led me nicely, Martin, into into forestry stocks. I've never purchased a forestry stock. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I had some Domtar way back when, more of a paper stock, I guess it was. It went belly up. Obviously, I didn't hold it to zero. I cut my loss and moved on. But uh, since that point in time of Domtar, I never bought a forestry stock. You led me into West Virginia. Razor Timber, great buy. You also, Martin, helped me buy PIC, which is an ETF, broad-based, global uh, base metal stock. 
Good call. Um, yet we are underweight oil, uh, Jack and I, in our portfolios, and oil really has continued to just be a drag on portfolios. So what's your view on, on energy uh, at this point in the juncture? Yeah, they're, they're, um, like uh, it's been a bad start so far this year, following a, a better, like, better year last year, tough year this year. Um, the, um, the, what's, what's surprising is that if somebody had told me earlier this year that crude inventories would be down almost 100 million uh, by September, I would never have thought that the price of oil would be still below 50. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've got this situation where the tropical storms should, should help to improve the supply uh, balance because what people don't remember is that when you go through a, topic, a tropical storm, uh, the refining production gets shut down but get restarted way before crude production. So there's a time lag between refining production and crude production. And as we all know, a lot of the U.S. production has been uh, damaged because of the, the hurricane. So this should normally improve the uh, the supply-demand balance for energy. So uh, I suspect that we, we're going to probably like uh, uh, trade a little bit like around like 48, 49 for a little while. But I think that the rest of the year will be uh, a lot better when the, the, uh, the refining uh, uh, production uh, restarts and uh, we have more crude demand from refiners. So the stocks are kind of volatile here, but I believe that the, the margin of safety is really good because they have corrected so much. You're speaking, sorry, Martin, you're speaking here. about the energy stocks, correct? Yeah, the energy, the, the, the energy stock. Now, we, we also obviously saw a ton of strength in the Canadian dollar, but you've also seen strength in gold. Uh, gold priced in loony terms, Martin, uh, in the last couple of weeks. Who's won that race? Are you paying attention uh, to that? Well, <clears throat> I think it's about equal uh, because we've seen uh, the symmetric advance between uh, the price of gold and uh, the, uh, the Canadian dollar. Uh, but uh, my hunch is that this... Uh, this U.S. dollar is under pressure, uh, not only relative to the Canadian, Canadian dollar, but also uh, relative to the yen, the Japanese yen, the uh, euro, and also the Chinese one. So it's a, it's a, it's a hurricane in the, in, in the currency market as well. And it, it, it is very difficult to know where the US, when the U.S. dollar will, will, will bottom, uh, given the, the, the strength of, of economies outside the U.S., so I would suspect that the price of gold will probably like uh, <clears throat> go sideways following the strong rally we had, but it remains a core holding among uh, portfolios, especially now that bonds are so low, the stocks are high. You need some protection on, or some safe heaven, and I believe that gold could play this this role. Uh, over the next year or two. Okay, so look, Martin, we got Jack Hartles in the studio, Jeff Blanco's in the studio. They're both tugging at my... Uh, uh, they, they, they want some mic time, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to run some spots, commercials, pay some bills around here, and then Jack and uh, Jeff are going to pipe in a little bit. Jeff's going to talk currency. Jack's going to give you the tough questions, okay? Stay tuned, folks. Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Money. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. Money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 studios in Toronto. For the love of money, Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM640.
In Canada, we get to see them all. Hi Fi Radio, AM640, Wolfgang Klein, your host for the morning, brothers and sisters, good morning. Canadian dollar, almost touching 83 cents. What would Stomp and Tom think about the loony flying towards par? It ain't getting there, is it, Jeff? Time to go to Florida. <laughs> time to go to Florida. Not a bad idea. Yeah, tough time to go to Florida, wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd be tough now. Wouldn't cheap. it? It'd be cheap. And I think hotel rooms are cheap. What, what if you book for Thanksgiving? What's going to happen? A little refund? Don't know. That's Jeff Blanco, folks. He, uh, can, he's Canaccord's head of foreign exchange. Uh, we have Martin Robergeon in Montreal, our North American strategist. So, Martin, you pay attention to the Canadian dollar. Jack and I yep. watch it very, very closely. And Jeff Blanco, of course, trades it. He loves volatility. He gets to make some commish. I guess, eh? A little commish? No. Come on. <laughs> It's all, all about, it's all about, it's all about the trade. So, uh, Martin, Jeff, I want the two of you to tell the AM640 listener, the astute listener who's got the radio turned on, you're going to know it, it here, here first, where is the Canadian dollar going from here? I'll start. Yeah, so, yeah. I, uh, I, to be honest, I was a little surprised that the bank um, hiked this week on a, on a meeting that was ahead and did not have a monetary policy uh, report attached to it. Um, and I think, as we talked about before on this show, I think they're just in a they were just in a rush to get back that 50 basis points of insurance cuts from 2015. Uh, if the Bank of Canada's mandate is looking at inflation, their um, their control range of one to three percent, their their core inflation numbers, the ones that they look at, have been below two percent for some of them seven years. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a hard time understanding why they think these uh, this is a temporary move for lower inflation. The inflation surprise indices are also pointing lower. Um, so you know. P- Past the 50 basis points uh, hike to get, take back the emergency cuts, which they probably panicked into in 2015. I think they've panicked out of them now. Uh, I think they're done. Uh, market's looking for another 25 basis points, probably as early as January, maybe even before the end of the year, mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit more after that. Um, I, I think they're going to they're going to hold they're going to hold pad here and let the data continue to show. Data has been really good for Canada for sure, uh, but inflation certainly not a problem at this point in time. And if their uh, control bands are symmetric. If you're going to let inflation run below 2% for six or seven years, I think you need to at least see the middle of the band before you worry about uh, controlling it. So, so that's yeah, my view. I would say you're surprised with the uh, the Bank of Canada announcing this week that uh, that rate hike. How many traders were uh, caught offside with that and are, I guess, squaring yeah. up their positions right now? And is that part of the move that we've seen no, in the last couple of days? No, mm-hmm. the, we had talked about the the size of the, the spec shorts on the Canadian dollar going back into the summer. And right. Governor Wilkins came out in early June, whatever date that was, and was hawkish by surprise, and those those uh, positions started to turn. So the market's actually long Canadian dollars at this point in time, and it's a reasonable position. It's not anything by record. Um, the spec community is long, not by record lengths, but it is long Canadian dollars. So there was no real position squaring here. I think uh, 23 of, out of Bloomberg, 23 of 28 economists polled didn't think the rate they were going to hike um, this week either. Um, so it was a bit of a surprise. But you know, let's keep in mind, you know, Canada's been a strong performer for couple of months, but on a year-to-date basis, we're middle of the pack in the G10 against the U.S. dollar. So a lot of this is a U.S. dollar weakness story. And the U.S. dollar just can't get a break here, whether it's Trump or North Korea or the debt ceiling or whatever. Right. It, uh, it's been but one thing my, after But another. that's my other one then. But let's go over to Martin here with this one here. So Martin, with the U.S. dollar being weak or the and the Dixie, which is the basket that it, it trades against, so it's a basket of currencies that the U.S. dollar is measured against, not just the Canadian dollar, uh, the Dixie's been weak. Why is oil still below 50 bucks? Well, uh, the, or, like, don't forget, like it's only one one element. Uh, there's still 
an ongoing uh, debate whether or not the uh, production cuts that uh, uh, that were announced in spring this year, uh, the extension for next year, like there was an extension to uh, to March next year, and uh, in a week, not sorry, in two weeks from now or three weeks from now, we should know if these uh, this uh, per, these production cuts will be extended to 2018 uh, in, in total. So I, th- I think the market wants to see those those, those cuts being extended, mm-hmm. and, and and the fact that we're we're we'll still still a few 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 weeks away from from the the meeting. Actually, the meeting sorry is is more in November than in October. So the market is kind of in limbo or in no man's land. Uh, make want to make sure that those cuts are, are extended before taking any uh, outright bullish bets yeah. on on oil. Look, Martin. Again, we got to pay some bills around here, but I want to ask you about subsectors: uh, energy, metals, golds, home builders, healthcare, banks. You know, you know, what I'm talking about. Uh, your overweight, underweights on all those sectors because we're getting a little more granular because we're getting a little later to the show here. Stay tuned, okay? Don't go anywhere. There's more great show right after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 Studios in Toronto. For the love of money, Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio AM640. Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio, AM640. My good friend from Montreal, Martin Roberge, Canaccord Genuities, North American strategist, has kindly spent some time this morning joining us. Martin, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. So, Martin, let's get granular now. We spoke big picture, macro, uh, but to to Canadian investors, uh, right here, right now, what should we do? How much cash do you think we should hold? And in terms of sector bets, what sectors are you most keen on, i.e. what sectors do you think we should overweight, and what sectors are you least interested in, i.e. sectors you should underweight? All right. Um, first, broadly speaking, investors should continue to overweight their positions in what we call like non-American markets, basically like Europe, Japan, emerging markets, because I believe that the Canadian dollar will depreciate over the next year over these currencies and the outlook economic wise is better as well in terms of sector rotation we have two high convictions uh, conviction calls the first one is real estate in the u.s it's done very little uh, they will be positively impacted by the tropical storms okay just the lodging and hotel rates will do better big chunk of REIT indexes nice dividend yield around four and a half percent so I want to buy US, U.S. REITs or the VNQ ETF. Okay. Mm. Another ETF that I want to buy, which is a broad position in commodities, okay, it's the DBC. You have exposure to a various number of commodities in one basket. And if we believe that the U.S. dollar is going lower and global growth is strong, which will help commodities, you want to own DBC in your portfolio. So those would be your my highest conviction calls uh, for the next year. 
just looking at the REITs that you're talking about there, Martin, is there a regional bias, I guess, to your REITs? Is there an opportunity in, in certain areas of the U.S.? You mentioned, uh, obviously, with the, the hurricane season and uh, the weather down there. Um, where are you looking in terms of geographies? Well, there are, unfortunately, uh, there are no regional REITs index or sector REITs. Uh, so you have to buy the basket. Uh, and the basket is high, heavily weighted also in, in what we call the retail REITs. And as you all know, because of the Amazon scare, those REITs have done very uh, badly in the index, but they have fallen so, so much that valuation-wise, we have a nice support. But because they have been dragging REITs indexes sideways, now that I don't see a lot of downside, we believe that the rest of the group or the rest of the office and properties, industrial REITs will continue to do, to do well, but retail REITs, we believe should participate now that we've got this uh, valuation floor. And probably like the mall dying thesis is uh, premature at this point in time. So REITs are very cheap. And I think most of the, the, the valuations that we're seeing already reflect the challenges for some of the retail operators. Sorry, Mark, just in the time, Martin, I know Jack wants to pipe in here. I was going to say, yeah, Martin, last time we uh, we spoke, I think you had a target on the TSX of, 16,300 or something yep. like that. Uh, we've got a couple months left to go at the end of, into the end of the year here in uh, 2017. Have you revised that target? Because it's about uh, 10% off where we currently sit. Yeah. Or do you expect a, a back-end rally uh, for Canada here? There, w- there will be a back-end rally, but I, I recalculated the fair values considering the impact, the negative impact of the current of the Canadian dollar rising, the yeah. negative impact of rising short and long-term rates. And I'm using 158 for 2018 so uh that's for 2018 for next year 20, for 2018 so that's right basically from here another 700 points basically another five six percent appreciation for the market over the next 15 months plus, plus a dividend plus a dividend yield of three percent yeah which is again interest rates being as low as they are i guess that's what you can take well biotech um jack and i own amgen we own uh uh, the not the IBBs, uh, Biogen. So we had Amgen yeah. and Biogen, and again we had to suffer a bit of pain for those we've held those stocks for just under eighteen months. Uh, they held, they gave back, they went negative on us. We saw quality, we saw reasonable valuation, so we never cut those names. And uh, yeah, they woke up. Uh, so you're a little more favorable now on biotech. Cause I know you're not as keen on uh, medtech. Uh, no, uh, you should uh, own uh, biotech versus uh, medtech. Uh, MedTech, as you know, has been uh, a market darling for many years, but the problem we're seeing is that uh, uh, these um, these companies have uh, have done a really poor job on managing what we call their wage structure. That's number one, and number two, uh, most of the uh, what we call the healthcare providers in the world are facing uh, obviously also restraints and spending less because of the uncertainty with regards to the healthcare bill in the US. So this uncertainty translates in slower orders from healthcare operators and hospitals, and it's hurting med tech big time. So I would stay away from med tech and favor biotech. Mm, fair enough. Uh, Martin, look, uh, thank you very, my, very much, my good friend. Go have a croissant, a little cafe. Saturday morning, enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll be tugging at your tail to get you back on this show very, very soon. I know you love joining us, so I appreciate right. your time as always. Thank you, Martin. Coming up next, folks, we're going to broadcasting from radio to television to becoming a teacher. Susan Ross 
going to join us to talk to us about women in broadcasting and so much more right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 studios in Toronto. For the love of money, Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM640. Ah, yes, indeed. Pink Floyd, another brick in the wall. Andy Frost here. Not really. Wolfgang Klein. Hi-Fi Radio. Jack Hartle in the studio. Susan Ross, former Chorus television exec. In fact, the vice president, general manager, especially TV for Chorus, said kind enough to join us in the studio to talk about education and change. Uh, as is my dear friend Sarah Scott, entertainment lawyer. Uh... Yes, indeed. Uh, you are with Sarah. Bear with me here. What's the name of your firm you're with, Sarah? Help me out. Help me out. LaPolte Law. LaPolte Law. Uh, I'm focused on your address, 9000 Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> you know, that Sunset Boulevard is one cool brand. So just to, it's like work on Bay Street, sort of. It's a little cooler to be Sunset and Boulevard. It's the but, Bay so, Street music industry. Uh, how cool is that? So, uh, <laughs> Sarah, you, Sarah, you and I go back uh, a long ways, uh, back to my days in broadcasting, your days at Universal Music. We had your husband on before. Susan and I, we go back to, to the days of course as well so it's a little family reunion here but you know it is fall it's time of change uh, and it's time when the kids go back to school mothers are saying it's great oh my, my wife has never been happier I, I kid you not so <laughs> but school yes you do need an education we know you need an education and uh, you know sometimes we get an education when we're young and I think the smart ones continue to uh, get an education Sarah you had to uh, retool yourself you left Canada to go to LA and you had to uh, redo the bar exam, and that was, you know, that was a little bit of work for you, and you put your nose to the grind and did a great job and became an American lawyer. Uh, Susan, of course, uh, 25 years of broadcast experience, um, working with specialty TV back in the 80s and 90s, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah, 2000s. Yeah, and uh, you now are a teacher. Yeah, yeah, so I'm a contract lecturer. Um, you can't... Uh, be a professor um, without tenure. So, uh, uh. so uh, like an instructor at Ryerson University in the uh, School of Media. So it's uh, it's awesome. You're 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 teaching in the RTA program. Yeah, yeah. My, right. my my wife graduated RTA. Oh really? Business over here. All um, right. Jack, you're a Western boy. Yeah, Western economics. Well, very very nice economics. Supply and demand. Uh, do they and they teach economics in RTA too, don't they? I think it's yeah, the, yeah. There's a business portion, so certainly now you have to. A lot of it is um, the emphasis is on creative, but you have to put it in context. So the students need to know what is the business that they're going to be entering. Um, so they learn a little bit about the business of broadcasting, the business of production, and. Uh, I've taught things like marketing, organizational behavior. So it's really good. They're, they're going out not just expecting to be a producer day one, but they understand um, the context of their, uh, of their future career. Mm-hmm. So, Susan, I, I want to talk to you about television because, uh, you know, I, I'm a broadcasting guy. Uh, and again, uh, Sarah, you, you, you being in the music business, you, you've witnessed change, enormous change in terms of record sales uh, to, to streaming and, and the disruption there. But there's a lot of disruption going on. So I want to talk about mm-hmm. disruption a little bit. Hence the need for education to be able to re-educate and retool yourself uh, because artificial intelligence is chasing at Jack and I's butt as well. Uh, so there, there's <laughs> change. 
language and education very, very important. But in, in terms of the, the future for, for television broadcast and for students that you're teaching right now, uh, when they're asking for advice, you know, what direction can I take to have a viable career in the world of television broadcast? What, what, what are you saying to them? Uh, well, probably a couple of things. First of all, um, it's much more complex, and there are edges of the business that um, didn't exist, certainly when I graduated or when you graduated um, or your wife graduated. Uh, so now it's really being resourceful, looking for um, other aspects of the industry. It's not necessarily you're going to graduate and get a job at a broadcaster. You may um, start your own production company. Um, you may create a YouTube channel. Um, you may uh, find a role in distribution, um, some other aspect of the industry. And uh, the other piece of advice is to be, um, to be an entrepreneur, to think like an entrepreneur. And a lot of them, um, when they arrive at school, um, already while they're doing their four years, will create their own business on the side, a side hustle, as we like to say. Um, and uh, hmm. so they may be working part time, but some of them also will do things like start a YouTube channel for, um, you know, the classic ones are makeup or um, there's some really interesting things that uh, they've come up with. Um, how to eat Korean food, um, you know, on a budget, things like that. So little, little angles, little um, very creative mm -hmm. enterprises that they, that they start up. And it's good because it gives them sort of, a, you know, a hands-on education in how to run their own, their own thing. Um, well, what change do you see taking place over the next 10 years in the world of traditional media? What's the, what, what are the big disruptors that, that you see? Um, well, I think I go to a... a when I think about change, I look at uh, the CRTC puts out the CRTC, the regulator mm -hmm. puts out a monitoring report every year, and the two, 2016 report, which was recently released, they've got this huge graph, and what it shows is just the um, the access to content, mm -hmm. and it's very detailed. So it's the traditional physical assets, um, DVDs, it's. Um, uh, via internet, it's through a distributor like a cable or satellite provider, um, and in some cases over the air. So where I see the change is on the outer edges of all of that. So with internet um, access to content, whether it's a subscription video on demand or um, authenticated video on demand, etc. I think we're just going to see more of those little bubbles and pieces of how you actually can receive content, um, ways we haven't even thought of yet. So I think the disruptions are really way out there, not necessarily with the, with the, um, the struggle certainly is for the big organizations um, as they try to monetize the, um, the content that they're distributing. But I think the opportunity is on those outer layers. Interesting, interesting. It's funny because Jack and I had IBM on uh, the show a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about Project Watson. And that part, part of Project Watson is to aggregate content, scientific content, uh, not exciting creative content per mm -hmm. se, but to aggregate it and make it uh, into meaningful, bite-sized piece of useful information. Uh, boy, boy, things are changing. Look, stay tuned, folks. Uh, entertainment law. It must be so cool to work with a guy like Steven Tyler. Sarah Scott, 9000 Sunset Boulevard, La Porte La is on the line. She's going to be talking to us right after this. Money. Stay with us. There's more show still to come. That's what I want. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from the AM640 Studios in Toronto. That's what I want.
the love of money. Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein. Talk Radio, AM 640. Ah, good morning, Hi-Fi Radio, Toronto, Canada. Yes, uh, Susan Ross reminded me that was from Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Steve Tyler. What, when I think of a rock and roll artist and I, I, I think of Steve Tyler, I just have a big smile on my face. It just, he, he makes me smile. I don't know why he does that. He has that effect on me. Uh, I remember buying, uh, I guess it was Aerosmith Rocks, Probably in 1980, walked down Young Street, Sam the Record Man, probably paid $4.99 for it, and went home and spun it and uh, enjoyed it. Uh, and Sarah Scott, the LaPolt Law Firm on 9000 Sunset Boulevard, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm so terrific. Thank you, Sarah. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. It's early in L.A., but hey, you know. The yeah, sun, the sun rises. And, no, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, so, Sarah, you're an entertainment lawyer. I knew you back in Toronto when you worked for Universal Music. You were a uh, entertainment lawyer at that big record company, Canadian lawyer. Are you still a member of the Canadian Bar? I am. Oh, good for Ontario you. Bar. Uh, yes, but now you sure. are part of the, I guess, is the American Bar Association. Yes, I, I'm a member of the California Bar because I had to take the California Bar to be qualified here. So you, you can be qualified in both places and practice law in both places. So I, I do. Isn't that wonderful? So you, you have a great career and you, you, you're a music gal. You know, I'm a music guy. You're a music gal. You married a music guy who had a music dad. So it's in, it's, it's in our DNA. So that's, I think, part of the reason why you and I like each other so much. And so you have the privilege of working with some pretty cool artists. You have Dead Mouse on your roster. Uh, we, we spoke about Steven Tyler briefly. To work with him must be just a, a complete scream, eh? Well, it is. It is. I mean, all the artists. But, yes, Steven is a character, <laughs> and he's full of energy and passion and still loves what he does. I mean, I think the band has been together He's obviously had a tremendous solo career and been a host on television and so forth, but I think that band is something like 48 years together, so it's really remarkable. So, look, you're, you're an entertainment lawyer, uh, so interesting stuff. You, you get involved in recording agreements, publishing agreements, soundtrack agreements, producer agreements, production agreements, merch agreements, i.e. T-shirts, eh? Uh, management yeah. agreements, concert tours, uh, employment agreements, video directory. There's a lot going on. So, so my, my, my question to you, and this I want, Susan, I wanted to, to pipe in here perhaps a little bit because Susan, of course, is a broadcast expert working in television and um, you, you being a, a legal expert dealing with, with creative content as well. Um, but if you're a new artist, you, you have an idea, uh, either for a band or for a television show, um, and you want to do it alone or you want to go with the pros? Because as you can see, it's a complex world. And, and, and to make errors along this way can be extremely costly. Again, we've heard of the stories of hockey players to uh, recording artists cutting bad, bad deals. So uh, I want the two of you ladies to, make, to, to help the audience out. If you're a, 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 a creative uh, producer, a content creator, um, uh, what advice do you have to that creator in terms of creating a contract and protecting their own uh, 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 intellectual property? Well, certainly, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do on your own nowadays in a way that you have not been able to before. So with the advent and proliferation of social media um, and also um, digital platforms, there's a, there's a way to get your music out there now, both to market it and even distribute it in a way that you couldn't do before. So before you, you know, you had to you had to be good enough, so to speak, mm -hmm. or catch the eye of the A and R at the record label. Yep. 
And then you signed a deal, and you were pretty unknown then. So unless it was competitive with another label, you ended up signing a deal with a low royalty rate, and um, they would advance you some money. But then, you know, your, your CDs, your, your, your vinyl, then your CDs were manufactured, shipped on trucks, sold to retailers, and there's a whole system. And then also, as you well know, the record labels controlled the radio um, how you're, you know, the artist's access to radio. And so what's changed now is that artists can do things themselves. They don't have to necessarily even sign a recording agreement. They can distribute their content if they want to sell it. They can do it directly through, uh, for example, a company called TuneCore. I think it's around $20 or something. You sign up, and you are now a distributor of your own music, and it gets sold digitally. It's not unbelievable. And but further, you can market yourself all over the place, and you can you can pepper the internet with content. You can and you should on Facebook and Instagram, and also on YouTube, and collect money from streaming. So, so you can protect yourself actually, ironically, by not signing a contract at all, and going it alone at least for a while. Um, and then when you do, if you do catch the eye, so to speak, because that's what labels are looking for when they sign people now. They want to see all these followers on Instagram. They want to see all these streaming numbers. They don't want to start from scratch. They want you to have built your own own marketing base on consumer audience. And then they will, if they sign you, you just, you really do need a lawyer at that point. And I know people think sometimes, you know, do I absolutely, or parents of young artists often think, do I need a lawyer? You do, because it's a very complicated, often 60-page recording agreement uh, dealing with royalties, and of course a lot is hidden in the details, Um, you know, and and, and in the the depth of it, in terms of deductions from your royalties. And you just need to know what's standard and what you should be asking for. And so you have to protect yourself in that way by getting by getting an expert. But of course, you're looking for you know how long is my contract and and what approval rights do I have? Do I get to approve when my song is in a movie or in a TV commercial? What if I hate the product that's being advertised? What if wow. you know what if it's guns? What if it's something? What if it's tobacco or or you know, yeah, interesting stuff, politics. sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that something? Look, Sarah, um, we got to play some spots, make some money around here. Please, can you stay with us just for for another hit? I want to ask you a few more questions. I want uh, you and Susan to do a little uh, uh, collaborating here in terms of uh, how we can help uh, the listeners. Uh, you know, in September, back to school, get educated and uh, be empowered, be entrepreneurs. That's what Susan's talking about. The the need to be an entrepreneur. You're saying the same thing. These artists mm-hmm. can be entrepreneurs, and it's easier now than ever. So, folks, stay tuned. Hi-Fi Radio right after this don't go anywhere there's more great show right after this you're listening to hi-fi radio from the am640 studios in toronto of money hi-fi radio with wolfgang klein talk radio am 640 Uh, good morning to you toronto hi-fi radio am 640 thank you as always for joining us on our show we're very proud of it we work hard at trying to educate and entertain you everything to do with money and your career and so much more 
Susan Ross is in the studio, former television executive and now educator with Ryerson. And, uh, of course, my good friend, Sarah Scott, LaPolte, lawyer, 9000 Sunset Boulevard. I can't think about Sunset Boulevard in such a negative tone. It's a positive, positive feel. Uh, Susan, I want to talk to you about um, being in broadcasting. Because, again, I'm on Bay Street now with Jack. Bay Street is loaded with men. And when I worked in broadcasting, uh, I don't think I ever had a general manager that was a, a woman. Uh, it, it, it too was a very male-dominated industry. Uh, you obviously had a fantastic career, uh, spanning over twenty-five years working in broadcast, and uh, you're one of the most prominent female executives in the Toronto landscape. Uh, but what were your challenges uh, going through that in the '80s and '90s as, as a as a lady? Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, um, quite often I'd be the only female in the room. Um, I remember when we were converting to digital video compression in the 90s, (laughs) and I'd have to go to these meetings with various um, tech heads and engineers, and and, uh, yeah, you know, it could be, you feel a little out of place sometimes, but you persevere, and I think, you know, it's quite encouraging now, we're seeing more uh, women heading up uh, media organizations, and it makes sense, Um, and there needs to be more of it, because when you think about who controls household spending, (laughs) <laughs> it's like 80, 90% are, are women who yeah. make the core decisions. And uh, so they're the ones you want to reach with advertising impressions. And so, you know, you have to think. It just kind of kind of all makes sense to have uh, women in key decision-making roles in a media organization of any shape or form that's trying to um, reach people with their ads. You, you know, the other thing is, as a, as a media sales exec, when I was one, uh, the most popular demo, and I hated selling against it because I, I worked for a rock station, but was women 18 to 54. Interesting. Yeah, women 18 to 54. What's your, what's your, it's a terrible demo for me to, to, to compete against. But it's pretty that, broad. Too. Well, but that's what they wanted. They wanted women. <laughs> Advertisers yeah. wanted women. Agencies yeah. said that we're going to pitch women. Yeah. Uh, so again, as you said, it makes a lot of sense to have women also have a major role at the broadcast table. Yeah, um, and it would hold true for Bay Street as well. You know, women are your cl- some of the you know you have women clients. Any any um, industry, organization, institution, you have to look at who are your customers, your users, and your you know your management, your senior level executives should reflect ultimately who who that audience is. Yeah. Now, now, Sarah Scott, Lapolte uh, Law, my entertainment legal friend. You also do broadcast uh, contracts, don't you? Jack and I are looking for one of those for this little gig that we have here. We, we have a pretty <laughs> weak, we have we have a very weak contract, my friend. I'm telling you, uh, Luke, Luke, our producer, you happy with your contract? Luke's a happy employee, of course. He has to say that. Okay. But uh, Sarah, um, tell me something. As an entertainment lawyer, and dealing with a guy like Steven Tyler, that that, that must be, that can't be easy. So, what do you believe as as a, as a woman that you bring to the table? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I think you know you bring a whole other level to the table. You you have to channel your instincts. Um, you know, if, for example, which is not always the case with women, but if, for example, you're an organized person, if you're detail-oriented, which we a lot of times tend to be, we communicate in a more emotive way, these things are helpful to artists and speak volumes to them. So, you know, it, it helps them believe that you understand their concerns. Uh, we communicate differently as well, and, and a lot of times I think um, we... We're good at communicating, we're good at listening. So if you can listen to what an artist like Stephen wants, hear his concerns, hear him out, 
then you can be a good advocate for him. Well, that, 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 I think that's the point that you made to me that, that, that really, really resonated in the word listening. And women are, I think, mm-hmm. better listeners without question than men. Yeah, I would have to say that our egos are usually more in control as well, which enables us to listen. Um, just based on my experience, it's less about us and more about working with the team, um, meeting the goal, meeting the objectives, whoever it, whoever it is we're trying to help or work with. So. Say, as investors, I think they're more patient too, which can be uh, very good because they take the long-term view and don't get caught up in a lot of the noise, yeah. which is uh, a key component to successful investing. You know, you're absolutely yeah. correct, Jack, and I've seen that stat before, and it, it ties into the old adage, a portfolio is like a bar of soap. The more you touch it, the smaller it gets. Friends, you've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio Saturday morning. It's going to be a beautiful day. The kids are back to school. Kids, do your homework. Get it done early so you can play. Hockey season's kicking in. I know Jack has about four courses to become a coach for Tyke. I think Jack can pass those courses. I'm working on them, yeah. Susan Ross, uh, <laughs> professor at Ryerson. I'm going to say you're a professor at Ryerson. They can fire me if they want. Uh, television broadcaster, good friend of mine, chorus entertainment former executive. An absolute pleasure to have you ladies in the studio with us. You had an element that Jack and I just cannot bring to the table. I wish you all a wonderful weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. For the podcast of today's show, go to 640Toronto.com. New shows every week. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.